0: Chapter nine, Luke chapter nine. Um, yeah, and, and just uh, appreciated that testimony. A lot of times we we kind of feel that if it pleases me, if it puts a smile on my face, and and God likes to see a smile on my face, then surely it pleases Him. I go by what how I feel about things. Uh, but again, uh, learning to set aside my feelings and going instead by what God wants, that's the Christian life. That's, that's how we get saved in the first place. Uh, the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the there are the ways of death. So in this life, we're trudging along and everything feels right. Everything feels right. You say, I have peace. Everything feels right. But again, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man... But the end there are the ways of death. At some point the Holy Spirit shows you that uh, Jesus is the way. The way that feels right to you is different from Jesus. He is the way. He is different than the broad way that most of humanity ignorantly trudges down. There's a narrow way. The Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And saying, forget my way, I'm going to go His way Instead. Forget how I feel. There is a way that seemeth right. And in the area of music. Well, I feel. Set feelings aside. What does God want? That's Bible faith. Salvation. Well, I feel like. And then when I get to heaven, I'll just explain that to God. No, set feelings aside. And instead take hold of Bible faith. Not how you feel. What does God say about it? Get off of the Broadway in the area of salvation. Get off the Broadway in the area of, of music. What pleases you. Get off the Broadway and all those things that will it please... We're not here for what pleases us. Revelation 4 reminds us that we were created for His pleasure. What pleases Him. And the sooner we figure that out, the sooner this life will make sense. And uh, it will be way more fulfilling than the little bit of pleasure in sin that only lasts for a tiny season and leaves us hungover in some way and a little emptier than we were before we gave in. Today, uh, I want to look at, uh, here we are in the end of Luke chapter 9, uh, verses uh, 57 through 62. So Luke 9, the end of that chapter. I want to talk today a little bit about uh, spiritual vision. Spiritual vision, where your eyes are locked, makes a big difference. So uh, I'll, I'll read these verses. There are the, uh, three encounters, and I want to kind of focus on the final encounter a little bit more. But um, in Luke 9, 57, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus kind of warns him. He says, it might not be what you think it is, following me. And I don't know, maybe a lot of us in here, uh, following Christ. I love the romantic notion of the idea of following. But then God says, well, it might not be exactly what you think. And so he says, Jesus looks at him and says, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Um, This man, there were some financial considerations. uh, Things that he had to uh, lay hold on. Um, It may be, uh, if you follow Christ, uh, the riches may not really be a part of it. Uh, But, there are riches, but we may be laying them up in heaven. But the prosperity that you might think it is, it means to follow Christ, but we... We might not see a lot of that down here. Some believe that following Christ will result in earthly prosperity. And Jesus explained to him that following Christ isn't necessarily as glamorous as some TV preachers might make it out to be, as your imagination might make it out to be. There's not always the the Goliath that's falling there in this life as you follow Christ day after day. Boy, this man, he meant well. Um, but uh, he was going after what, what he could get from following. And not the real reason we follow Christ. It's not for the blessings we might receive. But we follow, get this, just because he's worthy of being followed. We follow just because he's worthy of being followed. We, uh, presumably this man turned away. Foxes have holes to sleep in. Birds have nests. The Son of Man hath not to where to lay his head. And Presumably this man said, oh, I'm, I'm not down for that. Count me out. A second person, oh, and by the way, glamorous or glorious? Glamorous or glorious? This life of following Christ, it might not be glamorous, but oh, it's glorious. 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 It's good to follow the Lord. Don't get the wrong idea that it's pretty awful. But someday in heaven, God will make it up to me. Oh no, the best life uh, of all is when you honor God. The glamour might be different. Oh, but there's, there's glory. It's a glorious life. Uh, a second encounter in verse 59. And he said unto another, follow me. Uh, but he said, Lord, suffer me first. And there's a little hint there that this man had a problem. Suffer me first. So Jesus looks and he sees a man and he says, follow me. And this man says, okay, I'll consider that, but but suffer me first um, to go and bury my father. Now, of course, you think, well, that's honorable. Why can't the man look after his dad? But Jesus looked beyond what he was saying into his heart and, and noticed a problem. So let's let's examine that for a moment. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. So we saw financial considerations of following Christ. We also see family considerations. We don't know. It could be that this man was near death. His father, I'm sorry, this man's dad. Let me first bury my father. It could have been that the the father was late in life. No, I Lord, I I don't want to follow you just yet. My father... I wanna make sure, um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you later. My father's toward the end of his life. Let me look after those affairs, and then later on I'll get serious about what you want. It could have been his father had, had just passed away not that long ago, and there was all of the, the details to look after because of his We, we don't know, um, uh, the, we don't know exactly all the details, but, but Christ did know the details. And he realized that this man was making an excuse. I'm going to get to following God as, as soon as some family matters are dealt with. There's some family things I have to figure out first. But God, don't, don't, I intend to get to what you want later on. And we know that a lot of times later on never comes. This man was, was excuses. My, I have these family, you'll never be out of family issues. Can I tell you that? You will never run out of family issues. If you're waiting to serve God until some of the family matters, I will honor God as soon as some of these family matters will be a part of your life until the day you take your last breath. Here was a man that was making excuses. He was armed with excuses. And Jesus doesn't let us get away with it, does he? I would get busy for God. Uh, it may be that, that that we use children as a family excuse, Right? Oh, get busy for God? I, I, I know someone. Uh, boy, they were busy for God and there was there were some issues with their kids. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I focus on my, my children and I'll get busy for what God wants later on. Kids first. Oh, you, you better be careful with that notion. Yes, be balanced. Yes, be the right type of father, the right type of mother to your children. But don't put busyness or service to God on hold until your family matters are taken care of. I, I know that there they were. Israel was on the verge of going into the promised land. And they said, uh, we're, we're not going to go in because it will put our children at danger. Uh, and, and Jesus says, okay, well, I'm going to send you back into the wilderness for 40 years and all of you are going to die. (laughs) And then I'm going to bring in your children without you. You're going to disobey me for the sake of your kids. Well, I'll get rid of you and bring them in instead of you. You better be careful. Putting family matters ahead of what God. God knows what's best for you and that includes what's best for your family. This man had some excuses. Uh, And then this third third encounter, this is where we're going to kind of look today. Um, Here we see formal considerations. Um, uh, here in verse 61, and another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first, there it is again, let me first. A lot of times we're, we're full of good intentions, aren't we? Lord, I I mean well. I, I'm full of good intentions. I'm going to take care of what you want just as soon as Ugh, those good intentions that that uh, um, uh, that are all along the the path to hell. Those good intentions. But let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This man said, I'm going to head home. I'm going to tell them goodbye and then I'm going to... And he said, you have a heart that's focused on things that are behind you. I have things that I'm setting in front of you. And you have a heart that's focused on what's behind you. No man that put his hand puts his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here's our main character for today. He, he offered to follow Christ, but Jesus warned him... That he had a problem. His heart. His focus. His spiritual vision was aimed in the wrong direction. And of course it was more than just saying goodbye to his family. <laughs> um, Jesus explains that here. Saying goodbye to your family is not wrong. We, the, I think it was Brother Leslie. He mentioned it this week in, in 1 Kings 19 when, when Elijah went to call. Elisha said, come and follow Christ. And then he said, well, let me say goodbye. And, there, and I'm going I'm to burn my plow and I'm going to kill the oxen. What, the, the beauty there was he was making sure he had no plan B to fall back on. And Pastor Leslie you kind of mentioned the idea. If if you're focused on making sure you have a plan B, then plan A is not your plan A at all. This life of following God, it's it's not real if your attention is focused on making sure your plan B is all set to go. If this whole following Christ thing doesn't work out. Well, if that's your heart, uh, you haven't trusted Him in the first place to go forward. And it's not going to work. Um. Looking back, looking back, the idea here, this man uh, was looking back and Jesus said so. uh, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No man can plow a straight furrow when he lives a life of looking back. Is that us today? Where are we looking Your furrows will not be straight if you live a life of looking back. Looking back, the power of spiritual vision. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd allow us to have our eyes in the right place today as we look at uh, your truths in this word, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get our eyes where they belong. Lord, the testimony reminds us that a lot of times we're, we're focused on what pleases me, what what makes me happy. But really, we get to the point, no, no. There is that way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Help us to set feelings aside and take hold of faith instead. Not what I feel, but what God says. May that be the main thing in life. And the truth is, as I put you first, Oh, there'll be wonderful feelings that follow later on. Oh, the joy. There are wonderful feelings when feelings come after faith, Lord. Oh, what a blessing. But only when feelings come after faith. When I'm able to set aside those things that seem right and get a hold of God's Word and find out what is right according to what God says. Pray that you bless. Uh, this message, I bless this time we have together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to hearts. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so first of all, I want to uh, uh, talk to a little bit about the power of spiritual vision. Where you're looking really matters in this life. Where are your eyes locked on? Where are you looking? Uh, here, this man said, uh, "Jesus says, looking back is going to is going to mess up this man's life." Uh, first of all, I, I was thinking when, when we're looking back in this life, uh, how does that mess us up? Uh, I, I thought of some examples in the Bible of some people that long for what they had as opposed to longing for what God has for you. God has wonderful things in store for us, but a lot of times instead of longing for what he has, we find ourselves longing for what we had before Christ came and interrupted everything. Don't we see that with Israel? God had the promised land in front of them and they're like, oh, you know, back in, back in Egypt, <laughs> we had those onions. Like, what? What? The the garlics, and did you forget they were taking your firstborn and tossing them into the Nile? It was awful. But yet our heart is so deceitful. We start thinking about what we had instead of what God has for us. That that life of looking back. I think of Lot's wife. Remember her in Genesis chapter 19? um, God was going to pour out his wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Lot goes to his family. Listen, we got to get out of here. And they're not going to listen to him. And finally, the, the angel has to drag them to safety. And the angel gave this warning, didn't he? In Genesis nineteen seventeen, It came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. All right? Life is ahead of you. Life is that way. Escape for thy life. I'm laying life out in front of you. Not looking back. Look not behind thee. Death is behind you. Life is in front of you. Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. We know that Lot's wife, life was ahead of her. And again, before we're too hard on her, it wasn't just things that were behind her, was it? She still had family back there. She still had family back there. But God said, focus on what I have in front of you. Look not back. And she couldn't help herself. She looked back. Became that pillar of salt, the Bible says. Is that you today? Do you find you're focused more on what you had before Christ came and interrupted your life? as opposed to what God has in front of you. A loving God. Maybe you're not saved today. (laughs) And salvation, there's that life in front of you. Eternal life. Oh, but if I say yes to that, I'm afraid of all the things I'm saying no to. Oh, friend. Focus on the beauty of what God has in front of you. Young person, is it missions? Missions. Oh, but, but if I say yes to that, what will I have to say no to? I like what Pastor Leslie said this week where it, it used to be that I'm going to prepare as though God wants me to full-time Christian service and if God uh, sends me, he, he wants me to be a layman, that's great. I'll do what God wants. But far too often it's instead I'm going I'm to prepare to make a lot of money. I'm gonna to prepare to do this or that, and and boy, I'm gonna, if God interrupts that, uh, how many of us focusing not on what God has, but what I had before God interrupted my life. Service, there's a lot of people in here that jump on a bus. After today, after the morning service, they're gonna jump on a bus and they're gonna take folks home. Uh, a lot of people would love to have a full afternoon. to to just take a long nap, enjoy a meal together, friend, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Focus not on what you used to have before you gave that time to the Lord. Focus on what you have. The blessings of serving Christ. Don't live a life of looking back. Your furrows will not be straight in this life. Uh, the power of spiritual vision. Longing for what I had as opposed to what he has for me. But also longing for what I don't have because of him. As opposed to what I do have because of him. Boy, there in, in Luke 18, uh, Jesus is talking about the rich man and, and how it's difficult. Boy, it's, it's, it's easier, uh, for a, for a, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. To be saved. And, and there, was, there was Peter. And, and he says uh, uh, there in verse 28. Luke 18, 28. Lo, we have left all. Think about what all we don't have. Because we follow you. <laughs> we have left all and, and followed thee. And he said unto them. Verily I say unto you. There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren, or wife, or children, or the kingdom of God's sake. Yes, all those things I left, all those things behind, all those things. And Jesus says, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. You're focusing on all that you don't have because I'm a part of your life. Oh, there are blessings because I'm a part of your life. There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. Oh, friend, what did you give up to follow God? How crazy would it be for me to, right? We've mentioned this before. Hey, hun, (laughs) I just, all the things I gave up because I'm, Stuck with you. It's foolish, isn't it? Oh, how good life has become because you're a part of it. What a blessing! My life is enriched because you're a part of it. Why do we put God through that? You entered my life, and and you know it's hard. All the things I don't have because you're a part of my life now. Oh, friend, don't focus. On all that you don't have. Focus on what you do have because of Him. By the way, God never takes something from you without giving you something better. And you don't always see it at first. But He's a good God. Boy, David and Bathsheba. There he was in 2 Samuel 11. And boy, when life was rough... When he was in the cave, Oh God, I need you. Oh God, thank you for hearing my cry. But then God gave him some strength and God gave him some notoriety and he, and he defeated Goliath and he defeated his enemies and there was a time of peace. Oh, those can be scary times. It was less about how much he needed God and more about how much he didn't have because he had God. He looked out and saw another man's wife and we know how that ended up. I like what Pastor Leslie said this week. He said, um, boy, when, when parents, our are, are children, your parents, that hedge of protection, that, that hedge that was prayed for this morning, put a hedge about this place. That hedge of protection. Young people, your, your parents aren't protecting you from danger. And that's not the only thing. They're protecting you to wonderful things. Um, there, sometimes when you focus on what you don't have because you're a Christian, you miss the obvious. Um, I'm gonna turn back to Numbers 22 real fast. Numbers 22. Uh, and, um, there, in verse 21, Numbers 22, 21, we have the story of Balaam. <laughs> and, and, and somebody offered Balaam some money, uh, to curse the people of God. And boy, uh, he got his eyes were locked on the money he could have, as opposed to what God wanted. And when his eyes were locked on what he didn't have, but what man could offer, God hadn't given it to him. Yeah, well, following God really hasn't panned out the way I thought it would. And some unbeliever comes along and says, "Let me let me hand you some money." And boy, the gaze of Balaam was locked on that money. And it affected his eyesight, his spiritual eyesight. So there he is. He's on his donkey. (laughs) And he's heading. uh, I'm going to let this money be my guide. Not what God wants. Numbers 22, 21. And Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went and the anger of the, and the angel, the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. So there's this angel there with a the sword ready to chop him up. But Balaam's eyes are locked on what he doesn't have because he, uh, because of God, not on what he has because of God. And it blinded him. He didn't see this angel. Uh, the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the, the ass saw the angel. The donkey sees the angel. But not Balaam. The, donkey's, the donkey has better spiritual sight than Balaam. Because of where his focus is. The ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass and turned her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path in the vineyards, a wall being on the sides and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. And there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And the ass saw the donkey keep seeing the danger that's ahead. But not Balaam. His spiritual sight was dimmed. When the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass and she said unto Balaam, what have I (laughs) done unto thee? So the donkey began speaking to to Balaam. What have I done unto thee that thou smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, well, because thou hast mocked me. You know, you'd think your first question would be like, how long have you been able to talk? (laughs) Because thou hast mocked me. I would, there were a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. Say, boy, if I only had a sword. The the, the donkey's thinking, speaking of swords. I've been seeing a real scary one these last three times. a, A sword that was meant for you. You wish you had a sword meant for me. There was a sword meant for you. But you can't see the danger that's in your path. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden, ever since I was thine unto this day? He's like, I have been faithful to you, and you want to kill me. Doesn't that remind you sometimes when Paul said, the more I love, the less I be loved? The faithful that, that warn about the danger that are in the path, and oh man, it's a, if I had a sword, I would cut you to pieces. Those faithful... That have kept us from danger, and we get angry. Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. And again, <laughs> he, he, he says, Nay. And you know, it sounds more like the donkey than. Anyway, here. Yeah, yeah. um, verse 31 And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Well, I tell you, Longing for what i don 't have because of him, that will dim my spiritual vision, looking and focusing on what I do have, because Christ is a part of my life. oh, that'll open your eyes it 's a good time of year to be full of gratefulness, isn 't it? Oh God, I had nothing before I had salvation. Oh Lord, you're the you mean everything to me. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, thank you. I, I was unworthy. Thank you for saving a miserable wretch like me. Help me never to get over it. Spiritual vision. Uh, the power of spiritual vision. Looking back, all oh, it'll mess up your life. The third thing there, longing for what I don't have in this moment, as opposed to what I could have in the future. Forgetting the things that are down the road that I'll exchange for a little bit of pleasure in this moment. There was Esau, Genesis 25. He came back and he saw Jacob making some stew and he says, I, I want some of that. And Jacob says, well, trade away your birthright. And he's, well, what does that matter to me? I'll make my decisions in the moment, the here and the now, trading away my future for what's here and now. And so he did. Genesis 25, 34 says, Thus Esau despised his birthright. Often, we're not careful enough. We'll sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. There in Hebrews chapter 11, we hear about some people that they were able to have their vision locked on down the road on the things that matter eternally. Listen to what it says about these. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith... Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in this earth. The power of spiritual vision. Secondly, the peril to spiritual vision. What is going to mess up our spiritual eyesight? Now, um, I like... Having glasses because it's just a, an extra layer of protection between my eyes and the stuff that goes flying in this life. Right? Any of you that have been around little kids that find a stick <laughs> and they're just the tip of that stick is whistling through the air, you're like, oh man, uh, they don't even. They're just they found this little you know whatever and they're running <laughs> and they don't realize that I could lose an eye. I like having my eyes. I want to protect my eyes. (laughs) Now, there was an airsoft battle this last week. Little tiny plastic pellets of doom (laughs) flying around. And I didn't, you know, I'm like, I'm glad I have my glasses on. A layer of protection. I like being able to see and I want to protect that. What are you doing to protect your spiritual eyesight? There's a peril. I remember, um, (laughs) I know some people, open gym time. There's some chaos at open gym time. Um, Every sport you can imagine (laughs) is going on at the same time. Some are playing volleyball. Some are playing basketball. Others are playing, you know, football and Frisbee. and, and, And just everything you can imagine, just chaos in there. I remember we had like an open gym time in Utah when I was growing up, and I'm just surveying, <laughs> surveying the scene, and I happened to turn about the same time this volleyball just came, cur- you know, hurtling toward my face. I didn't have my glasses on. It scratched my retina. I mean, it just, I just turned <laughs> completely wide-eyed and boom, hit me in the eye. And that was awful for a little while with that scratched retina. Every time you blink, ah! Oh, just keep my eyes shut for a while. Oh, it was awful. And you think, oh, I can't wait till my eye heals. And I can see right again. Well, I tell you, our eyesight is precious. And even more so, our spiritual eyesight. Um, the The Bible talks about the apple of our eye. And how how precious even uh, here in in Zechariah 2.8, eight uh, the idea was that that Israel was precious to God just like you and I protect the apple of our eye we protect our sight right um, uh, sometimes people will take a ball and pretend they're going to throw it in somebody else's face and the, and oh, oh stop stop uh, just just the the instinct that God builds into us that if something's going to come toward our face it's just it just stop doing that. <laughs> uh, uh, we want to protect our eyes as an instinct that's built into us. But here in Zechariah 2:8, uh, uh, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations that spoiled you, for he hath touched you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. You're precious, much like the apple of our eye is precious. And then here in Psalm 17, verse 8, David said, Keep me. As the apple of the eye. Just like you and I want to protect our eyesight. David said. Oh God would you keep me. Would you protect me. The way that we protect the apple of our eye. The instinct that you built into us. To care for that. Keep me as the apple of thy eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Our eyes are precious. We go nuts to get our vision back. If it starts to go. But often we allow our spiritual vision to dim. And we aren't worried at all. There are some vision dimmers in this life. Disobedience that will dim your vision. Disobedience will dim your vision. John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again to them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me doing the right thing shall not walk in darkness. But when you're not following Christ, and you're going after some other path, you're moving along in darkness. Proverbs 4, verses 18 through 19. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. They're just groping along through life, tripping over things, trying to feel, right? Right? bang ah, ha, 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 ha. who left this lego on the floor who you know the those those wives that like to rearrange all the furniture in the house right they're like hun um, we need lots of nightlights if you're going to do that cuz i i kind of had memorized where the couch was before or the the end table and my toe found that in the dark. I'm done with feeling my way through the dark. I am so glad that phones have a flashlight on them. Aren't you? <laughs> uh, it's wonderful to turn that thing on. I don't want to guess what's there in the darkness. I want light to shine on it so I can see. And spiritually, don't go through this life guessing at what's in the darkness. Follow Christ and He'll shine the, the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more and more. Yes, these eyes start to dim. But your spiritual eyes can get more and more acute as you follow Christ and spiritual things become more and more important. First John 1, 5-6 This then is the message that we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. Disobedience will dim your vision. The devil is in the vision-dimming business. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 Unsaved people. Again, if somebody says, I'm blind, won't you help me? And you toss my a flashlight. Think about that. There's a couple of reasons why that's a, there's a problem. How about you walk the flashlight over to them? Because they can't catch the flashlight, they're blind. So you need to take it over to them and put it in their hand. There you go, problem solved. You don't toss, you know, don't toss a flashlight to a blind person. Make sure it's in their hand. There, job done. Wait a minute. What good will a flashlight be to a blind person? The Bible says... That the lost around us have been blinded by the God of this world, but if our gospel be hid, the gospel is a flashlight that you and I carry around. but the people that need the gospel are blind, the devils blinded them, and that 's why Holy Spirit conviction is such a blessing where he allows them to begin to see their need. Oh, what a blessing it is! the devils in the Vision dimming business. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Did you also know that, that God will dim vision? There in, in Matthew 13, he, he talked about a, a parable. A parable is designed to obscure truth from certain people and give truth. To other people. The people whose heart is hard. Boy they won't even see. I, I don't understand. But somebody that's interested in what God has to say. They'll say oh. That is beautiful. I've seen that with all three of my children. <laughs> they'll say. I, I don't understand. <laughs> and as a parent you're like. Um, no. You, don't, you simply didn't like the answer I gave you. You could understand if you would allow yourself to. You just don't like the answer I gave you. And so I I think there really is some genuine confusion because you have preferred the way you view it. Dad's perspective isn't as important to you as your perspective. And sure, that does confuse things. So I believe you some that you don't understand, but you have a hard heart and that's why you don't understand. You choose not to understand. And parables were given to obscure truth to the hard-hearted, but to give truth to the ones that would value the perspective. Forget what I see. It's about what God sees. My last thing, the perspective of spiritual vision. Instead of looking back, what should I be looking at? What does God want us to be focused on? Well, the scriptures, God wants us to be looking attentively at this book. The scriptures. John five thirty nine. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. This should be a focus. By the way, it's also corrective lenses, isn't it? Without my glasses, you're all y'all are pretty fuzzy. But when I put them on, these corrective lenses, oh that's way better. And when you look at life through this, these corrective lenses, oh, things, there's a lot of clarity that starts to come into your life. Boy, look at life through these corrective lenses. It's such a help. The scriptures. What about self? Tonight, sex, so scriptures and then self. God wants us to, to, to examine our There's a proper way to do that. Tonight we're going to have communion. The Bible talks about examining yourself. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Are you really saved? But also 1 Corinthians 11.28 Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. Are you sanctified? The scriptures. Self. Examine. Are you, are you saved? Are you right before God? A third thing. The saints. God wants you focused on the saints. Ephesians 4.32, be kind. Be kind one to another. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Be kind. Thirdly, souls. We should be focused on souls. Uh, Jesus, our great example there in Matthew 9, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. You ever you ever see a like a a Michigan State football game or something? You think, look at the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But you ever think, boy, every one of them has a story? And Jesus died for every single one. Lord, how many of them know you as Savior? Are you moved with compassion? But then ultimately, what's the last thing? What's, What's the main thing to be focused on? The Savior. Hebrews 12, 1-2, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Don't live a life of looking back. Live a life of looking unto Jesus. Mr. Ramos preached on Nebuchadnezzar this week. Um. He got lifted up with pride there in Daniel chapter 4. And he said, look. Look at this great Babylon that I have built. Look what I have done. And pretty soon in his pride, God made him like an animal. He went from gazing to grazing. Because he was gazing at the wrong thing. Every time you're gazing at the wrong place... You're destined for a lower life. Your life will be low. The things of this earth grazing on the grass around. God didn't make us to be grazing, God made us to be gazing. At the end of that punishment, Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and got his eyes in the right place, and life was a lot better. Listen to what he said. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And mine understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that lived forever, whose dominion...